You're listening to the weekly podcast of Liberty Baptist Church in Bristol, Connecticut. We pray you enjoy today's message. Hi, I'm Craig. It's a sick world we live in, a sick world. It's been so cold the last couple days, I spent much of my day in the corner in my house. And if you're wondering why I was standing in the corner, it's because they're usually about 90 degrees. Five minutes from now, somebody else in here is going to laugh. <clears throat> all right. Well, you can take your Bibles this morning to pretty much anywhere because uh, <laughs> we're going to be all over the place. Um, when Dustin asked me to preach this, I thought, okay, it's been a little while since I've gone topical because usually when I first started preaching and was given the opportunity to preach and whatever that was, like thankfully there was no video. We weren't, we weren't uploading everything to YouTube at the time. I'm not that old, but there was YouTube, but we weren't uploading everything to YouTube, thankfully. Uh, but anyway, I was taught to, to preach topically. And then I came across uh, somebody that said, you know, I'd rather go through the scripture and just take a passage and preach through that passage. And, and then I caught on to that, and I was like, man, I really like that. And I, I've enjoyed preaching that way. So this will be my first topical message in a while. So I'm assuming and, and planning for a bunch of rabbit trails. Um, so we're going to start here and then end up way over, maybe over here. I don't know. We're going to go a lot of places. So um, today I'm talking about uh, Liberty Baptist Church's mission statement. So Dustin has already gone over um, our core values. He's already talked about our core values here. And he's talked about our vision statement. So today I'm talking about our mission statement. Now, what's the difference between our vision statement and our mission statement? So I don't confuse this. I will look at my notes. The vision statement focuses on tomorrow and what our church wants to become. The mission statement focuses on today and what our church does or should do. Our vision statement gives the church direction. It is the future of the church which then provides the purpose of the church. Our mission statement drives the church. It is what we do. It's the core of the church. And from it the object, come the objectives and what it takes to reach those objectives. Our mission statement also shapes the church's culture. And so what I want to give to you guys today is the mission statement for Liberty Baptist Church, and that is love God, serve others, make an impact. That is our mission statement as a church. Love God, serve others, make an impact. Now, how many of you in here today would love to make an impact on people before you go? Oh, guys. <laughs> wow, that's pretty much everybody. Okay, so if we all want to make an impact, are we? We all want to make an impact, but are we making an impact? Now, every one of us in here can say, yes, we are making an impact. I guarantee to, to even the smallest degree, every one of us in here are making an impact. And that impact could be good. An impact could be bad. But every one of us in here is making an impact. The next question I have for you this morning is, is that impact an eternal impact or is that impact a temporary impact? 
if I could sing like Elvis Presley and shake my hips like Elvis did, I'll, um, I might be able to make an impact, but I don't think that would lead to an eternal impact. It'd be a temporary impact. You see, I, I can say the name Elvis Presley, and pretty much everybody in here knows who that is. Maybe the younger generation might be coming away from that, but Elvis left an impact. I hope through some of his gospel singing, he left an eternal impact with some, but overall, his impact is temporary. How is your impact going today? What impact are you going to leave behind before you go or when you go? Love God, serve others, make an impact. Guys, my message this morning is so simple. It's so simple, I do not want you to miss it. It's so simple that I think every one of you in here could come up here and like just finish the rest of my notes. Anyone could speak to it. But there's a reason that churches in America today, and I'm going to pick on America because we have so many churches and we're not making an impact. We are locally in some places making an impact, churches are, but overall, we're not making an impact. Overall, we're missing something. So if our mission statement as Liberty Baptist Church is to love God, serve others, and make an impact, how do we do that? And it's so simple. Have you guys ever donated clothes to the needy? Have you ever given food? How many of you guys, and you don't have to raise your hand, I'm just, just throwing questions out here. How many of y'all bought Christmas gifts for the kids that weren't gonna get Christmas gifts this past Christmas that we were able to, to just be a blessing to this past Christmas? Those are all amazing, awesome things. Giving clothes to the needy, giving food, buying gifts for a child that would not otherwise have a gift for Christmas. But those are all temporary. They're all temporary impacts. Dustin and I have had the opportunity to have some conversations with some folks about how to deal with the homelessness in Bristol. And we were told there's a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of different organizations that are involved with giving them food and clothing and so forth. But there's a gap when it comes to taking them from where they are and getting them to where they need to be. Guys, I would love to keep giving people that need clothes, clothes, and people that need food, food. That's, that's a temporary need, but it is a need. But that doesn't make an eternal impact. Now, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't give clothes and don't give food. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Follow me, because it's, it's, it's simple. I don't want you to miss it. When Jesus came to earth, what did he come to do? He came to seek and to save that which was lost, right? Now, how did he do that? Did Jesus just walk around and all he did was teach? Or did he solve temporary needs? He solved temporary needs. He healed blindness. He healed sickness. He provided food for people. He, he miraculously, miraculously, I'll get my words right. Miraculously, he provided for over 5,000 people at one setting with just two fish and some loaves of bread. 
Miraculously, at another setting, he did the same with over 4,000 people. He provided for temporary needs. Why? Because he wanted to meet them where they were. He wanted to meet that need that they had in the moment so that he could then give them the answer to their eternal need. And if we as a church are going to make an eternal impact in our community, we can't just go around passing out gospel tracts. It's going to take more than just going to someone's door and knocking and, do you have a church home today? We'd love to have you. Do you know where you're going when you die? Here's the gospel. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take meeting people where they are, seeing the need that they currently have, meeting that need and showing them that we love them, that we care. Because quite frankly, I'm not really interested in what someone has to say to me if I don't know that they care about me. And so if we're going to make an eternal impact, we've got to learn how to take care of the temporary need and then go to the eternal part of that. So how do we do that? Love. How do you love somebody? Love God, serve others, make an impact. To serve others requires love. And if I'm going to show somebody that I love them, I'm going to serve in one way or another. If all I did was ever tell you, I love you, love you, love you, love you, but never gave you the time of day, would you feel that I loved you? If my relationship with my wife was simply that of me telling her that I love her all the time, just always verbal, always just the words out there into the ether, but there was no action behind it, would she really feel loved? She tells me she wants to hear it more often than she does. And I just, I want her to know that I just rather prove it. Because I would rather show her that I love her than tell her all the time. Because women are needy. And I'm sorry, that came out of nowhere. <clears throat> love you. <clears throat> but if I'm going to serve somebody, it, I've, <laughs> I've got to love them. How do I love them? Guys, I, I told the teens this morning, there are people that it is hard to love. And to some of y'all in here, I may be that people. But there are some people that are hard to love. Now, there are some people that I can love. A lot of people I can love. I hope nothing bad happens to you. I care about you. If you're, if you're hungry and, and, and so forth, you know, let me help you out with some food. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that, but I may not like you. You're not going to be in my inner circle or the next one or, or the next one or the next circle of friends. You're, you're not going to be in the center. We just don't click like that. I'm not picking on anyone in this room, so don't. Is it me? I'm making a point because you all know this. There are people we're commanded to love, but there are people it is just so hard. It's hard to even like them. Ew. I don't, I don't want to be at your birthday party. I don't want to be at your kid's birthday party. I don't want to be in Walmart when you're in Walmart. Like, just, ew. And I don't know why. There's, there's people like that. There's people that just make our skin crawl. I'm being real. The fact is we're all, we all feel that way about some folks. But God tells us to love everyone, to serve. So Liberty Baptist Church, we're supposed to love God, 
serve others, and make an impact. I can't serve without genuine love. How do I get that genuine love? How do I even love God? How do I take care of the first part of our mission statement of loving God? Do I just wake up every day and say, all right, today's the day I'm going to love God. I love you, God. That may be a behavioral position where I just, I'm going to do everything that God commanded. Today I'm going to live right. Today I'm going to say I love you, God. But is it in my heart? Can I just make it manifest in my heart? How do we love God? To then serve others, to then make an impact. Guys, it's so simple. It's so simple. Jesus gave us a great commission. I'm, I'm getting, you, you ever read those books, those self-help books, like how to, how to lose weight? And the book is like 600 pages. And for the first 599 pages, it's talking about the solution. And then the very last sentence is like, and here's how you do it. Or save money or grow your money or whatever. Those books drive me insane. Chapter after chapter, I just want the answer. And chapter after chapter, I'm turning the pages. How to deal with asthma. Chapter one. There are different things that trigger your asthma. Things like allergens, things like this, things like that. Chapter two. Here's how to stay away from those triggers, but asthma is also caused by other things. So that's not the real solution. The solution's going to come and just keep reading. Chapter three. We're still not at the solution yet. Just keep reading because I have some more information I want to give you so I can justify selling this book for $24.99. That's what this message is. <laughs> I've got time to fill. I'm going to fill it. All right. The Great Commission. Take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. We all know these verses. I'm not going to pull a nugget out of this verse or this passage that you've probably not seen before but I do want to read it into your hearing. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is about to ascend up into heaven and he tells his disciples and essentially us. It says, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. What did Jesus tell us to do? He told us to go preach. Preach the gospel. Go tell everybody. Teach them to observe the things that I've commanded you and disciple them to do what I'm telling you to do. So our job as Christians is to go out, is to share the gospel, is to disciple people so that they can then go out, share the gospel, disciple people, so that those people can then go out, share the gospel, disciple people. That's the great commission. That's the commission that Jesus Christ left with you and I. And that is to everybody. Not just those that might have a full-time position in a church or a ministry. That is for all of us. We're all to be a witness and a testimony to those around us and to go out and share the gospel and disciple this is the eternal impact that he has commissioned us to make. Teach, preach, baptize, disciple, and help them do the same. 
But like Jesus did, we're going to need to make, we're going to need to meet some temporary needs. You're not just going, it may happen. There may be somebody out there that's seeking the Lord that's just waiting for somebody to come share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those, those people are out there. But they're few and far between. Most folks have no idea what they need. Most folks out there have no idea that they have need of the gospel, and so they are starving for something that they don't know what they're starving for. But then they may also literally be starving. And if I want to give them the gospel, I'm going to start with their physical need. I'm going to start with the temporary need and then move into the eternal need. Because right now, in this moment, they're so distracted by what the physical temple is in need of. They're so distracted by the hunger pangs. They're so distracted by how cold they are. They're so distracted by the sickness they're in. They're so distracted by the abuse they've suffered. They're so distracted by whatever that need is. that They're not ready to hear the gospel. And so I, as a Christian, should love them enough to meet that temporary need and to be there for them in whatever that looks like, in whatever way that looks like, so that then I have the door open for the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Because once they see that I care, now they're more inclined to hear the message that I have for them and make an eternal impact in their life. That's not my protein shake talking. So like, Jesus so like Jesus did, we need to meet some temporary needs that will lead to an opportunity to make an impact with the eternal need. But before he gave the Great Commission, he gave a new commandment. You guys remember the new commandment that Jesus gave? Go to John chapter 13, and I'm probably going to talk before you can turn there. It should be on the screen. John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Jesus tells us to love one another, but then he goes a little bit further and says, Love each other like I have loved you. And then he says, This is how everybody's going to know that you're my disciples. You want to know why we're not making an impact as a church or the impact that we want to make? We're too caught up in religion. We're too caught up in everything else that we think makes us look like a Christian that we don't do the one thing that Jesus said is how everybody's going to know we're a Christian. Love. We put on our nice clothes for Sunday our frou-frou colognes and perfumes. We take that one shower we take every week. Maybe put one of those little patches on our mouths with mint. Come to church with our big family Bible. I'm a Christian. But we don't love. We think because we're sitting in a church on Sunday, we're a Christian. We think because we got baptized one day, we're a Christian. We think because we put money in the offering plate, we're a Christian. We think because we prayed a little bit this week, we're a Christian. But if we don't love, 
how's anybody going to know? Because that's the one way Jesus said they're going to know that we're Christians is if we love one another and if we love one another as he loved. That means when someone hurts your feelings, we forgive. That means when there's an issue, we go to that brother or that sister and we take care of it. That means when somebody we don't like is in need, we still go out of our way to help take care of that need. What did Jesus do for us? We sing about it this morning. He left glory. He left his throne to come down here to this sin-cursed earth amongst a bunch of wicked people knowing that he would be crucified in a horrible way so that he could provide an opportunity for salvation for every one of us. That's how he loved. Guys, there's people I wouldn't jump in front of a bullet for, or at least I'd hesitate. That's not loving like Jesus loved. How many moments in a day do we miss the opportunity to love like Jesus loved? And we wonder why people, well, I'm not going to church, they're a bunch of hypocrites. Okay, everybody's a hypocrite. I'm tired of hearing that. But yes, you're right, we're hypocrites because we don't love like Jesus loved. If we would tap into that one thing, we'd make an eternal impact like nobody's business. We would make an impact in this community that would go further and further and further. We might even see revival. But why would we love others like he loves us? I mean, that's not something that you can just force to happen, right? I'm going to will it. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to will this thing. I'm going to make it happen. How do we love like Jesus loved? This is a difficult thing. This is a, a hard thing to do. The message is simple. The, the practicing of the message is not. How do we love like Jesus loved? Before the new commandment, there were other commandments, including a first and great commandment. See, I'm not giving you the answer yet. We're <laughs> we still got to get to the last page. Matthew chapter 22, verse 35 through 40. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, no offense to any lawyers in here, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Okay, Jesus gave a new commandment. I'm supposed to love everyone like he loves them. And now you're telling me that I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. With all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind. Has anybody in here mastered that? Because you know if we had, we'd be a totally different person. So, we're all on the same boat, struggling, rowing. All right, we're all together here. We're all friends. Let's keep going. Verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if you loved God with all your heart, soul, and mind and loved others as you love yourself, everything else, all the other commandments would take care of themselves. Done. But we don't love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. I'm going to tell you how, but stay with me. We don't. But here, Jesus says, the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. We love ourselves pretty well, right? I mean, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, you, you, jerk face. You, imbecile. You, you know, you have those moments where you're just looking in the mirror and I know, no negative talk. Okay, yeah, whatever. That's how I get encouraged. Tim, that's how you encourage me. Tell me I'm fat, I'll, I'll lose weight, all right? Just talk to me, talk down to me, and I'll be like, I'll show you. Where did I go? Okay, loving ourselves. I still love myself. I can, look in my, I can look at myself in the mirror and I'm, ugh. but I love myself. I'm going to feed myself. I'm going to clothe myself. I'm going to get rest. I'm going to do the things that I want to do. I'm, I love myself, and we all do. And Jesus said, God said, love your neighbor as yourself. But then Jesus, we already read it, took it a step further, said, here's a new commandment. Don't just love them like you love yourself. Love them like I love them. What in the world? Because he loves everybody more than we even love ourselves. You might be in here this morning, and I hope that's not the case, but you might be in there this morning thinking you are just alone and unloved in this cold, dark world. And, and this is more than a cliche, guys. God loves you more than you love yourself. He loves me more than I love myself. And he loves everybody in this world more than we can even fathom or imagine. But that's the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as yourself. Jesus reminded and reiterated that we are to love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. But we don't actually do that. So how do we even fulfill the mission statement of Liberty Baptist Church, which is love God, serve others, make an impact? Because we're already, we, we lost it at the very first point. And there's a reason it's in that order. We've lost it at the first point of loving God. We're not attaining that. Okay, Craig, I love God, but not with all my heart, soul, and mind. So how do I, how does this work? How do, how do we get, okay. Y'all understand that we don't just love God, right? It doesn't just happen. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, it says, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Did they put it on the screen? I know, it's in the slides. I was just trying to see who knew that verse. Anyway, because he first loved us. We love God because he first loved us. We don't just wake up as a people one morning and think, ah, I love God. No, it, it comes from the fact that, we, that he loved us first. Now, here's where the secret to all of Christianity and, and living out this mission statement and everything happens. This is the key to everything. Understanding his love for us, learning of him, having a genuine relationship with God fuels it all. That's better than pushing the 93 button on the gas thing. It's got the extra octane in it and stuff. Sorry. Chokes are way over some heads. This is the fuel, this is the gas that fuels everything. Loving God and understanding, actually, understanding his love for us 
having a genuine relationship with him so that we can actually love him. Do you have such a relationship with God that you are learning and growing in his love? Do you right now have such a relationship with God that you are learning and growing in his love? Do you right now have a relationship with God that you are learning and growing in his love? Right now, with God, do you have a relationship where you are learning and growing in his love? There's a reason I've repeated that over and over again. That is what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. That is what God wants from us. He wants a relationship with us. And most of us are just playing church. We come to church and we participate in activities and we sit in a pew and we go to class and we open our Bible and we sing the praises, but we are playing a game and there is no genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. It is that simple. If we had a genuine relationship and walk with God, we would love God, serve others, and make an impact every day. But we don't have a genuine relationship with him. We play the game of religion. We're worried about what color the carpet is. We're worried about whether there's a baptistry or a horse trough. We're worried about what version of the Bible we're using. We're worried about so many stinking religious things that we do not have a genuine relationship with God. We have the appearance of religion, but there's no power. There's nothing there that's that's of any worth. Our thoughts of God on the week on a daily basis are almost non-existent. Oh, it's Sunday. It's time to go talk about God, think about God again. What is wrong with us? We're selfish. We love ourselves. We're so focused on what we've got going on in life and, and goals and dreams and all these things. And they're all, that's all great. We have jobs. We've, we've got bills to pay. We've got families to take care of. But guys, we would do it all so much better if we would just spend time with him and have a walk with him. What does that mean? You hear that all the time. Have a walk with God. Have a walk with God. Walk with God. Have a relationship with God. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I don't get to walk with him in the garden like Adam and Eve did. I don't get to physically see him or hear from him. And if I did hear from him, I'd freak out. What does it mean to have a walk with God? It means learning who he is. And spending time with him. I want to whet your appetite just a little bit here in starting a walk with God. I was raised very legalistically. I've talked about it before. A lot of religion, not a lot of relationship. It was talked about, but I don't even think the guys that said it understood it. Because my view of God growing up was that he was this big creative being, powerful, and he is, all-powerful, but he was just waiting for me to mess up. 
so he could thump me on the head. Get right. He was this God that was every time I would like think a wrong thought or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, he was just waiting to like crack the whip. And I had this view of God that he was a father who wasn't as loving as what the scriptures say he is. I had this view of God that, man, if I didn't wear a suit to church and if I didn't dress right, talk right, act right, look right, listen to the right kind of music, not listen to the wrong kind of music, if I watched something wrong on TV, whatever, I was in trouble. Is God a holy God? Does he want us to sin? Does it grieve him? You ever think about that word grieve? In Sunday school, we're talking about Noah and the flood. And I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to serve your Christian God because he's just a narcissistic, hateful, blah, 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 all the other adjectives they could come up with God. But if you look at the Bible... It says that when God looked down and saw that the thoughts of mankind were only evil continually. They didn't have any pure thoughts. They didn't have any good thoughts. It was all evil continually, except for Noah and his family. The Bible says it grieved him. It didn't tick him off. It didn't make him, it, it didn't make him fly off the handle and say, all right, everybody's dead. It grieved him. It hurt him. Because our God is not a God who is quick to punish. Our God, our Heavenly Father, is not a God who is just waiting to strike lightning. He's not a God where if you forget to tithe, your, your tire's going to go flat. I've heard that kind of preaching before. He's not the kind of God that if you mess up, he's going to keep you from getting that promotion at work. Our Heavenly Father loves us far more than we understand. And what flows from him First and foremost is love and mercy and grace and long-suffering, and he puts up with us far longer than I think he should. I shouldn't be here today. I shouldn't have a title on the door. My Heavenly Father loves me, and he's been gracious and merciful to me far more than he's cracked that whip. So how can I not love him? Because there's a lot of moments that I forget how good he's been to me. Because I'm not walking with him. Because I'm not in the word learning of who he is. Guys, the secret to the Christian life, the secret to a walk with God, is understanding how undeserving you and I am. Understanding that God loves us so much that he, he still sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins while we were yet sinners. To understand that even when men's hearts were only thinking of evil continually, he gave them somewhere around 75 years while Noah built the ark to repent. He gave them time. He gave them grace. He, if you go to First or Second Peter, I forget where, it says in Noah's day, God waited patiently. You and I, we just, we don't have a proper view of who he is because we don't spend time in the word. We don't learn who he is. We, we might be listening to voices saying something opposite. The fact, guys, don't even trust me today. Go to the scriptures and learn who God is for yourself. That is how you begin to walk with him. That is how you begin to have a relationship with him. In Isaiah 55, 6 through 9, 
Have you guys ever heard that phrase, God's thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways, his ways are above ours? Most people use that verse out of context. It still applies, but they use it out of context. Somebody might come up to you and say, why am I just dealing with this? Why is this going on in my life? And we were quick to say, oh, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. You know, he, basically saying he knows why he's doing that. We don't. Okay, that's true, but have you ever looked at the context of that passage? Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6 through 9, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. That's me. And the unrighteous, that's me again, man, his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And let him return unto our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And this is why. I don't understand that. Why would God, as wicked as people are. You guys know the story of Jonah and the well? Why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? I often thought as a kid growing up, he was just afraid because Ninevites were wicked people. And if I went and described to you the stuff that these Ninevites did, from skinning their victims alive to many other atrocities, including babies, these people were evil. And I thought, man, he's just afraid to go over there. They might attack him. No. You want to know why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? I'm going to come back to Isaiah, so forgive me whoever's on the slides. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. But it displeased Noah exceedingly, because before that, God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. And it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and he prayed to the Lord, and he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying, when I was yet in my country, therefore I fled unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, Lord, take my life. He was ticked off that God repented of destroying them because they all repented and turned to God. A prophet of God was upset that the people listened to his message and responded. Because he knew God was a merciful God. And he was great with mercy and he was going to forgive. That's why he didn't want to go. That's our God. I don't know what's in your life. I don't know what junk you've done. I don't know what thoughts you've had. I don't know what mistakes you've made. But Jonah understood. The people of Nineveh understood. That he is a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness. And repented of the judgment that he went to do. And that's why in Isaiah God says, because I don't understand it, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God forbid it ever happened. But if somebody ever messed with my family, I feel like I would lose it. And I would go off the handle. And I would do everything I could to make them regret that. Craig, what if, they, what if they said they were so sorry and they asked for forgiveness? Man, I don't know. It would take the grace of God to just pour upon me for me to be able to say I forgive you. But that's what God does. I don't understand it. His ways are above mine. 
His thoughts are not my thoughts because if they were, there'd be a lot of people gone, including myself. But you hear these stories of people who have had horrible things happen to their family. And the person that did it apologized or sometimes doesn't even apologize. And the victim's family says, I forgive you. They're tapped into God. They're having a genuine walk with God. They have a genuine relationship with God because that, that love cannot flow from anywhere else. That love has to flow from him. And an understanding of who we are and what we deserve and who he is and what he offers. And once we understand that, then we start to love God. And we can start to grow to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. And then loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind will help us to serve others and love others because we understand what he's done for us. And now I can show that to everybody else because I understand who I am. I understand what I deserve, but I wasn't given that. And you know what? Who, who am I to say you don't get grace and mercy from me as well and let me love on you because God loved on me. And as I'm serving others with a genuine love and not just trying to be on social media, hey, we gave food to the homeless but with a genuine love and a genuine motive, now I'm making an eternal impact. Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.